Albert Einstein once said that play is the highest form of research. Well, let's get ready to do some research. This is Teach, Play, Learn, the podcast, and I am your host, Adam Peterson. Before we get to today's episode, gotta give a huge shout out to the guys behind our intro music that we use, Brian and Neil, my buddies from the band Cuckoo Kangaroo. Visit cuckoocangaroo.com to see more of their music and awesome merch, as well as check out their YouTube channel. And a big thank you to our sponsor of Teach, Play, Learn, the podcast, Jose and Sean, my friends from Berteau & Co. If you don't know what Berteau & Co. is, use the shopping link in the show notes to visit BertoandCo.com to see top-notch teacher planners, at-home planners, t-shirts, and more with the coolest designs on them. And when you use that shopping link and use the promo code ADAMP15, you will save yourself 15% off your order at BertoandCo.com. Let's get to today's topic. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So excited to be here. I've, I've been off for a couple of weeks. We were traveling on the road and I kind of turned off to the, the world of, as far as technology goes. But I'm so excited to be back to talk more about play with all of you, especially as I hear more and more about schools starting to get rolling for the upcoming year. And the stuff we're going to talk about on these upcoming episodes, especially today, is going to help with all of that. So I want to bring on my guest, an educator a presenter, a friend of mine from the road, my friend, Maria Mercedes. How are you? Very good. Very good. Very excited to be here. Thank well, you ex- for inviting me. Yeah, I'm excited like, to yeah. have you. Well, and before we started recording, uh, you all that are listening or watching this, we used the word play. I can't even tell you how many times as we were getting ready to record. So it's, it's going to be a perfect chat today because uh, Maria Mercedes is someone who strongly, strongly believes in the power of play. Um, and I'll, I'll let you kind of tell, I kind of gave you your name and, and you're, that you're a teacher, but tell us more about you and, and, and your education and, and why this is so important to you. And then we'll get into the questions. Well, um, I'm from Colombia and I wasn't an educator. I actually started with a total different, I, I was a journalist for a while. And when I came here, I started working with social communication and journalism. So it was more social uh, communication, the part of working with programs. So I started working with children and families. I did a program called Kinder Readiness. And uh, dislike that name sometimes. <laughs> but uh, then I did a program that taught me what I know and gave me a, fa- a very strong foundation about play and families. So that program, it was like at the elementary schools, we will go and ask the teachers to please uh, tell us some kids that they thought will benefit from working more with the families. So this program, we will invite the families in the evening. And the most important part there was that we had a little baggie of junk. And then we will sit the parent, or it could be the mom or daddy, depending. And these kids were from pre-K to fifth grade, okay. one in front of the other. And they will get the junk. I mean, really, it wasn't anything like something that they will say, okay, I can play with these cards or, right. you know, it was, and they will put, we will put it on the table and we will tell the, the parents, it's time for you to play. And they were like, what do I do with all this? <laughs> so we will tell them, you need to follow the child's lead. So if the child picks a car and it's, a, it's an airplane, you're going to be with the airplane. And it was only 15 minutes period of course the whole evening was meal and meeting and all that but it was 15 minutes of time where the parent and the child play with something that they didn't even know they could play with Mm -hmm. 
And the difference that made in the relationship, it was amazing. I'm sure. So I guess that's what I started thinking, God, this play thing. When I grew up, it was, you play after school. You don't play in school. That's, <laughs> you know, right. you don't mix those things. You just play. Luckily, I, I went to a school where you have like an hour recess and 15 minutes. So we had to play a lot. So we had the time. But here, I started getting into that. And when I was working with the teachers and visiting schools more as a, in other programs, I just one time went to a school and this, um, it was a family, uh, like a counselor. She was very excited about how the kinder kids were reading. Okay. I'm like, okay, so come and see, come and see. It was like a show and tell. I was like, this is kind of weird. Okay, you need to see this kid reading. So I go, it was a book by Eric Carl from Head to Toe. You know, his books are fantastic. Oh, yeah. yep. Collage. And I go and look at the book. It was a big one. <gasps> I say, oh my God, that's Eric Carl. He's awesome. You know how he makes his books? And he's looking at me blank. Like, <laughs> I'm reading, I'm reading. <laughs> I know. Why are you asking so many questions? Why are you excited about a book? I just need to say from head to toe. <laughs> this kid, that was it. He was just from head to no excitement, no love, no nothing. And that kind of like touched my heart in a way that I was like, I can do this. I, I think I'm going to be a teacher now. So I was luckily, I was doing a master's in early childhood. So I was already intrigued by. But I, I say, I'm never going to teach. No, that's right. not my thing. But sometimes it hits you. Yeah. And that was my moment. I was like, even though I don't teach how to read because I teach pre-K, <laughs> but it was just very sad because we take the joy out of learning. Mm -hmm. And some of us in other, you know, probably, I don't know if here, everywhere in my country, is very... Um, this is the way you sit down, you listen, uh, there's desk and everybody's behind each other. Hopefully that has changed and, you know, it's different. But it was just like 45 kids, you're just listening and write it down. Wow. And it wasn't, it was, I was the worst student, but now I know why it wasn't. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would have been too. We talk about that a lot. I talk about that all the time that yeah. one of the reasons, like the classrooms I remember and, and whether or not I remember the, the stuff, but the classrooms I remember being a part of are the ones where I got to do things. Even, you know, from little age all the way up to college, like some of my favorite college courses were the ones where we got to have active conversations, you know, yeah. instead of just note taking or, or the, the professor showing slides or something, you know? So you I know, love that I, story about how you decided to teach. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, it was like, and you know what, talking about professors, when I was in, in my master's degree in early childhood, one of the professors loved her. She's like telling how we needed more play and how important is hands on. And I'm like, well, but I went to school and I'm fine. And she went like, <laughs> are you? And I was like, oh, I don't think I'm fine. <laughs> so it was the best comeback. Are you fine? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'm fine. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. So you made that transition and now you, you've been teaching for, for over 15 years, what, all in pre-K or, or other grade levels too? All in pre-K. Pre I truly believe that. And it was, you know, they wanted to move me, uh, you know, but I believe that teaching is 
You know, it's, I don't want to compare to a doctor, but it's kind of like when you are a doctor, you go and study, and then you're a cardiologist, a plastic surgeon, an OBGYN, and, and it's not like you can get out of there so easily and be the doctor. So I feel that as teachers, we need to be experts in what we think we're good at. So I have been taking care of that. I have been lucky. At one point, I almost went to teach first grade. and. Um, I was nervous, but it just, and I ended up back in pre-K. So I don't think I'm still that great. So that's why I'm still doing it because I think I can be better. I don't know. <laughs> well, that, that's a good attitude to have. Like when, when, when we stop learning, we stop growing, right? So I know yeah. that that's, that's one of the things I always challenge myself to do is, is to try to do a little bit more because when we get comfortable, that's hard. Like that's, that's not a good yeah. place to be when you're comfortable. You got to keep pushing yourself. But I feel the same exact way. Like people always say, oh, you've always taught kindergarten. I'm like, yeah, I always taught kindergarten. Do you think you'd teach first or second? I'm like, I don't, I don't think I want to go to first. Like, yeah. and I love your idea of that, that. I don't know if it was my fear or just that this is my passion. Like, and, and why put teachers in a place where they're not passionate? You know, we want teachers to enjoy it just as much as students do. I mean, that's how students are going to enjoy the learning when the teacher enjoys the teaching. So that's a, that's a good point that we need. I like the doctor analogy analogy too. Yeah. It sounds a little bit like what? Yeah. But, that's true. but you know what? We want to be an expert in what we do. And when right. you're moving around and you don't even want to do it and you're like, okay, because people think that because you're good in pre-K, oh, you should be, I had a mom one tell me you should go to first grade. You will be so good. It's I'm like whole different world. <laughs> <laughs> and I made, I don't know, you know, I, I, probably, but I, this is my passion. Right. And I, I think there's so much to do with early childhood where we're still in kinder is a little different. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate the work that you have done with playing kinder well, because you. people see it more like, ah, oh, pre-K you play and they don't understand how that's going to make a difference in a child's life forever right so that's why i told you you know i used to be a coordinator for the kinder readiness but now it's just like no you don't need to be kinder readiness <laughs> pre-k readiness one readiness first grade it's more you need to be learning what you want to learn and that's going to make it different because then you're going to be prepared to later on be like why do i have to learn this right you will be prepared for that because we all have to go through that so you know, it's, it's, it's important that we continue advocating and talking about it and yes. getting more people into the, I, I, I talk to a friend and I say, we need to make a revolution and then continue with the change because it's, it's hard that we're still explaining to people why play is important. Right. Well, yeah, going on that topic, it's funny that you say we need to make a revolution. My, my friend, he's presented a few times. I don't know if you've ever met Kurt Schwengel. He's a big uh -huh. technology guy out of California. He has a, he had a t-shirt that he was somewhere at one time that was like the fist held up and it said Occupy Kindergarten. And that was a movement he was trying to push was this play-based learning in kindergarten. He has a whole curriculum called Rock and Roll Kindergarten that teaches student interest themes. But um, I love that you said we have to advocate. And I know that's a big part of your your passion is just getting people to understand. I mean, I know your, your Instagram handle is, is champion pre-K play. Um, we'll talk more about that at the end, but when someone that doesn't think like us, cause that happens. I mean, we, mm. we meet teachers all the time and administrators. And like you said, parents who, who will say to us, like, tell me why, like, why are you doing these things? And in my book, I talk a lot about that, that 
look in the dictionary, like, and you'll see why I'm teaching this way. But what do you tell people when people say, um, Hey, look, teacher, why are you, why are you playing? Why play? Yeah. So sometimes I feel it's a lot easier to talk to families about it. Uh, because at the end parents want the best for their kids. Yes. And when you tell them, because I teach my kids to tell their parents, we play to learn. What, what do you do today? Play. I teach them that. I, awesome. I want them to go there and say, what do you do? Play. And I have had conversations where I had this mom and she came from Mexico and she ended up being my assistant later on. She was an educator in Mexico. And she came to the first parent meeting and she was like, um, yeah, he's telling me that you play all that you play. <laughs> and at the end, she was like, yeah, yeah, that's what we need to do. And she's telling her friends in Mexico that this is what we need to do. The problem sometimes is the system and who's making the changes and not to get political here, but it's about politics. Right. There's people making these decisions about early childhood that don't have a clue about what kids need. Mm -hmm. And it gets to a point where you get in the system so deeply in it that you start doubting yourself. So I I read something sometimes, you know, learn the system, get in the system, learn the system, and then go fight it. So in a way it's that. So I feel sometimes that other teachers and administration they have had that idea that maybe I had when I went to school. You go to school, you do your little whatever, you sit down, you listen to the teacher, the teacher tells you what to do, you do it. And they have that idea and it's hard to go out of their right. whole idea. The other one is that they're asking us to do so many different things that sometimes it's easier for some people to just look and do it mm-hmm. instead of question. Okay, like you, and you put that in your book that I, you know, you have to meet the standards. We're in this public school district for a reason because we want to fight the fight. Right. Otherwise, we'll go to a play school, you know. But you need to learn the standards and then you need to make the effort, spend the time and say, how can I turn this into play? Right. And, and that, when, that's the thing that the standards aren't, I mean, what we're expected to teach isn't, isn't going anywhere. And when those things are put in place, yeah. they're there, right? But that's one thing I constantly tell teachers is that you have all this, this stuff you're told you have to do, but there, nowhere does it tell you how to do it, right? Exactly. So that's the thing we need, to, we need to push. And I'm so glad you use the word like we have to fight for this change because I tell people that all the time. Like <laughs> if you want the change, then, then just do it and prove to people that yeah. it works. And what's that old saying? It's always easier to ask forgiveness than it is permission. Yeah, exactly. Like, I get in trouble for that. <laughs> I understand. But luckily I had... I had an administrative team who, who believed in, in the power of this. And, and really, it wasn't that they pushed their teachers to play, but it was, here's what you guys need to do. Go do it your way. And as long as you're meeting your goals, like, we want to see what happens. And, and I was lucky to teach in a district like that. that, that I mean, uh, granted, we had our issues, like every school does. There were, there were other battles to be drawn. But um, that was one area that I felt so supported. It was, was they let us teach, you know, and we, we opened our doors and we taught. Yeah. I'm in a district right now that where I can teach. So they respect who we are as professionals. So that makes you feel that you can do what you need to do, but you still have, you know, some people that don't understand very well, or they don't know how to implement it. 
and it's easier just to follow the curriculum. Okay, right. let me follow the, and I'm sorry, but many curriculums, they are not what we need to be doing with mm -hmm. preschoolers. So exactly. many times you have to understand that really the curriculum is a child. You need to understand and learn the standards. You have to know the standards. And you and I, we do presentations and you know who it, how it is. You ask, okay, here, and because you go to another place, you have, oh no, here they don't count to 30, they count to 10. Right. Or here, and sometimes you ask them and they don't know them. Nothing wrong with that, but it, it, how can you say let's play if you don't know what you need to teach? Exactly. So it, it, it just gets very, it's, play is a very important thing but we need the knowledge. And that's why, you know, when you gave me that little guide, I was like, research-based knowledge. Yeah, and I'm so because glad you put it in there because I, I know I always ask guests, like, like what are your top three things to, to get started with a play-based learning classroom? And a lot of people like talk about like the, the games and ideas and, and stuff, which yeah. is great, but I love your response because it's the first time I've gotten a response like this, that, that you talked a lot about what, what the teacher needs, not the stuff that we need. So, so yeah, yeah, tell us more about that. Like your belief and, and how do we so, make this happen in classrooms for the big one is, is like brand new teachers. I get asked that all the time, like teachers just out of college, like I've read your book, Adam, or I've seen this video or where do I start? But the other one is, is that I absolutely love is this, this revolution. Like we've used that word of teachers who have taught for years that are now realizing what they believed all along. Mm -hmm. Yeah is 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 really what they should be doing because I, I hear yeah. that all the time like you know I've always wanted to be a play-based teacher but I never know where to start or I've always had this passion behind it but I've always been told I have to do this so I guess your ideas that you put in this 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 chat is is, is the best so why don't you talk more about those like what what three things would you tell a teacher who says Maria Mercedes I want to teach in a play-based classroom what do I do and don't take me wrong because I don't even consider <laughs> myself a play-based you know, classroom, I do all the best with what I have right. following the standards. So that, that even makes it, you know, it's like, okay. But for me, one important thing is that you understand what is your philosophy of education. If you don't understand how do you think kids learn, that's what happens when people tell you, okay, now we're doing math upside down, uh, because this book says so, and then you're like, <laughs> okay, I'm getting with that program. So if you don't have a strong foundation on your belief of why are you teaching, so I believe that kids learn by doing. I believe in constructivism. Of course, if you have a special ed kids, it's different, right. but you need to have a foundation of your beliefs as an educator. And sometimes we miss that big part of, oh, but that's just like, that's a very important part, because if you don't know what you want, how can you get it? Exactly. And the only way you can protect yourself and when you are losing that, because it happens to all of us when we're at the public school that is not just play-based, we start losing our ways into doing what other people are doing. Or, and you're like, okay, wait a minute. No, no, I don't believe in that. Let me just come back to what I believe and let me get back to, okay, no, that's not what it is. The other part is you need to learn about research base because there's a lot of programs out there, a lot of programs, and I'm amazed of how many people put in now virtual programs for pre-K. Yeah. How? How do you do it? What, how? <laughs> you know, I could put something, but is, that, is this really? So there's a lot of stuff out there. 
So if you don't know how, where was the research, how kids learn, go back to why, then you can know fight the fight. So if somebody tells me, why are you playing, uh, you know, learning like the dramatic center and the blogs and all that, why do you have that there? We don't need that. Luckily, my school is different, so they, you know, they appreciate it. But I say, oh, we learn here about language. We learn here about whatever subject we want to do. You know, they can learn math in the dramatic. They can learn right. science. They can learn. So I'm, I know exactly what they need to learn. And then I can say why. But the, the first thing is to get more information. And that doesn't mean that you're going to sit down and read 1,100 books. But sometimes this is just getting a little bit of that inspiration that, okay, for me, it was Lisa Murphy, um, the wiggly lady. I'm like, the first time I heard her, I was like, oh, I love you. And I'm, I'm that groupie. <laughs> I go to every, all her trainings. I'm like, I'm there. And her books are fantastic. But it was different, like, because she did play-based, total play-based, and is trying to balance that, okay, I cannot do that. But now your book, oh, okay, yes, I see somebody. I just want to get more people in at the elementary level to right. get this. Kids are, when they say early childhood is zero to eight, but they're mm -hmm. thinking, oh, it's just three, four, five, that's it. Over. Yeah, totally. You move. So it's just a very difficult uh, way to, to get people, but it's just one at a time, I guess, too. We get two, we're good. The revolution is started. There you go. You know, and it's, it's interesting you say that, like the, the, the zero to eight, because it is true. I mean, I, I, I talked about this. I think I was doing a, I might have been an interview with someone else about the book. And um, I was talking about e-learning and, and the virtual learning and how it affects different kids and whatnot. And, and I was talking about my son again, who did not handle the, the sit and get of the worksheets at home, you know, and um, he came up to me one day and he, he's like, dad, I need to practice my, my flashcards. And I'm like, do you want to, do you want to practice your flashcards? Cause I was like, that's not how I learn, buddy. I was like, let's do this. I was like, let's go find a game. So like behind this wall is a giant closet yeah, full of board games. games. We have so many board games and he's like, can we play shoots and ladders? And he's nine. And I'm like, it's not really a nine-year-old game. I'm like, yeah, let's play it, buddy. But here's what I'm going to do. Instead of spinning, like, let's do your flashcards. So like, instead of just moving one, two, three, four, five, six spaces, you might be able to move a lot more because he was working on like multiplication flashcards. Uh -huh. I'm like, you might get to move a lot of spaces. What here, a good dude. idea. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, it was something we were going to do anyway. We were going to do his flashcards or his practice because he had to, and we were going to play a game. So why not tie the two together? And that's the that's where, I mean, it's like the hardest, but the simplest is people try yeah. to make it so hard to incorporate these, these strategies, but really it's not that hard at all when you just think about what kids enjoy. And that's the point. What kids enjoy is just that joy. If a kid is just like, wang, 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 we didn't learn like that. We, I, right. if you ask me the table nine, and I will be like <laughs> nine times because I still have that. My father yes. like, okay, what is it? And you're like, oh, <laughs> so that's not joyful learning. They mess you up for life. Right. And it's like, okay, like that, you're playing. Your brain is like, yeah, happy. Your mind is going to always remember it. So it's that idea of teaching is about joyful learning. Yep. And that's what I always try to do. And how do you do that? By playing. And I do it like, you know, 
this year I was questioning a lot of things in my classroom. So I thought I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that. Let's see what happens because we may not even be there. But <laughs> I was like, why are I asking the kids to do certain things that they don't want to do when what they want to do is play and my learning centers are good. Mm -hmm. So I know they're going to be doing good. Playing, reading, singing, playing, reading, singing, and we will be fine. And playing, of course, you're talking math, you're talking science, you're talking yes. language. If you do it, if you facilitate the learning instead of create the learning, I think that's what it makes the, the difference there. That is a big difference. And that's a great way to look at it. I know you mentioned centers and I know from seeing like your Instagram and seeing you present as well too, you're a big, big music in the classroom person. Yeah. So, so what are your, your like go-to, I guess, like songs or movement activities for a teacher wanting to incorporate well, a little bit more of that? So I do bilingual and so I do Spanish. Okay. And I, it has been hard to find a lot of different songs to the same, because in English you find everything, how to teach uh, rocket science ooh, in a song. And you're like, oh, what? Who's doing that? Man, this is awesome. So when you're looking in Spanish, you're like, no, we don't have, we have beautiful songs and there's right. a lot of stuff out there, but it's different. So I had the opportunity to, um, um, Dan San Romain, he presents yes. with us too. Uh, I worked with him and he did some wonderful songs and it's like 10 simple songs for a better behavior, but it's not all about behavior. It's about uh, learning how to think. And mm -hmm. so I had the opportunity to translate his music and awesome. I use that all the time. So that is available in Spanish and I'm very proud of, of I was doing actually a presentation for a bilingual uh, conference. So I'm very excited. Um, I sometimes create my own songs. They're not like professional songs, but it's just like, I was telling them Kids that I created care, right? one. No, I created one uh, about a tarantula. You know that song, Gloria, Gloria. Yeah. Well, I created a, one about a tarantula and it came out so good about, you know, a legs and two parts of the body and hairy. And one kid went to visit us in May last year because I invite the kids to come and visit before the year starts. That way they mm -hmm. get to see kids and get excited. It's pre-K, it's hard. They, so I was telling this story at, at another presentation because this kid, like in September, October, the father says, you know what, Mrs. Champion? He goes and asks Siri or Google, I don't remember which one was it, for <laughs> Mrs. Champion song. And I was like, and we found a song that is actually Mrs. Champion. It's like a reggae. But then... <laughs> We realized that that's not the song. The song he was looking for was Gloria. Really? And he heard that song one time. Yeah. Oh. And that's the power of music in learning. That's pretty so phenomenal. So whatever you can turn into a song, I love Dr. Jean. I will translate every song that I like. I'm like, I already sent her one the other day. She's like, yeah, she's the most beautiful oh, she's, lady. She's you know, got such she's a beautiful just, soul. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, I want to I want to go back real quick to what you said about Dan. I, I mean, Dan Saint, I need to get him on here. Dan Saint Romain is a wonderful guy and phenomenal educator. But when you said it's not really about behavior, that's the that's the one thing I talk to teachers about all the time. Is people will say to me, and I think I put it in the book too, like, like, well, what about these behavior issues you have? I'm like, I really, I really don't. don't have and when you allow kids to learn in the way that is comfortable and have fun doing what they're doing, then you don't really have to worry about behaviors as much. And I think that's a powerful point about what you just said about Dan is while those songs might not be specifically about behavior, 
I can guarantee from my experience and you can too from yours that when you do these types of sing song activities, movement centers, learning through play, you're not going to see as many behaviors because the kids don't, for lack of better words, they don't have time to come up with, with the negative behaviors, right? Because they're so you busy having fun. Something in there that is super important is that choice. Yes. And I think the, the older they get, the less choices we give them. I don't understand that because even mm -hmm. some kinder classes, they do rotation. Right. But why? 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 Oh, because if they stay, and we hear, I hear it all the time. If they stay in the dramatic center or at the block center all year long, they're not learning. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And I always use Piaget. I'm like, if you want, if you're thirsty and they, you know, you tell me I'm thirsty. I drink water when I'm thirsty, but you tell me, oh, let me give you a Coke. I'm like, oh, but I'm thirsty. But I, I, when I'm thirsty, I drink Coke, but I'm thirsty. I want water. No, but the Coke is the same. So I always think, okay, if that kid's wants, kid wants to be in center, bring the stuff to the block center, the letters, the numbers. It gets to a point when they're like, oh, there's more centers, but who cares? <laughs> right. So it's just that idea that we need to do some things that I don't want to do. So if you like doing your garden project, I saw your garden with the hammock. It looks good. Oh, thank you. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think I can accomplish that level with my husband, but we'll try. It was, it was a project. You, <laughs> yeah. If you like doing that and your wife says, no, but we need to paint the house. No, but I want to do this project. No, but we're painting. No, but I want this project. So as an adult, why do we do things to kids that we won't even do ourselves? That's a great, so that's always great the point. question. It's just like, why think about it? Always ask why. Why am I doing that? And would I want to do that? So I think it, that's, it's just yeah, that, that's a, that's a good point and an idea going forward into this new school year too. Um, especially yeah. not knowing what's going to happen. But I, I think I think even with the virtual learning, I mean, if we are teaching virtually again, like that's going to be a big one too. Like, because I know so much and it was hard because I know teachers had literally like 24 hours to get stuff ready to go when it first started. But, but think about that. Why? Like, is that worksheet that you're going to send home really going to accomplish what you want it to, right? Like, like you said, yeah. the parent probably will do the work anyway, but why is one of those things we constantly be asking ourselves as teachers? And when yeah. we stop learning, we stop growing. And when we stop growing, then, then our classroom does not grow the way it should. So and I, I love your to philosophy. Add to that, if we start questioning, because people are very afraid to question yes. administration or question the, or question, we need to question because otherwise, and we need to teach, for me, it's more important to teach a child how to ask a question than how to answer the question. That's mm -hmm. who cares. But if you know how to ask a question, and question. So when you have those kids that question you all the time, you're like, yeah, I can see you going far away. But sometimes we're just afraid of that. And it's, I guess, getting back to that point of facilitating instead of trying to teach. And don't, I mean, don't think that I can do this, all this stuff that easy. I struggle all the time with all these concepts because it's not easy to do. But it's just that questioning. Okay, you know what? I didn't do so good. Let me get better at it because I really messed it up this time. I was telling them what to do instead of allowing them to do what they wanted to do or a way for them to learn. I think it's a perfect point. Is that I think anybody, regardless of your career or what job you have, 
if you're really good at it, it's not because it was easy. It's because you worked hard to do it. So um, I think that speaks volumes to the education world too. When you see, you know, classrooms that are just on fire, that are rocking it, it's because that teacher put in the time and effort. It's not yeah. because it's the best group of students in the world. You know, it's, yeah, no, that's it's some work yeah. was put in and that goes across, you know, every career. Every but um, no, I, I love your philosophy. And this, this was a great conversation, but uh, people I know are going to want to follow you. I, I love following you and your pictures. You've got a great Instagram that I love seeing the pictures come up from, but how can people find you that want to keep following you and see what you're up to? So you can find me by uh, Champion Pre-K Play on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All right. I have a web page yet. Um, I just started with Instagram, and I was pushed by an SDE presenter, Kelly, and she was like, you need to have an Instagram. I'm like, I don't like it. But now <laughs> it's just like, okay. And sometimes I find myself like, what else do I put there? We, I'm hard. a little older, so <laughs> we... We don't understand that thing of putting things for people to see, but now I'm learning. So help me there. Help me. I well, honestly, that's help. just help me there. <laughs> the, the cool part about the the education side of this is just the networking. You know what I mean? Like, and I yeah, know yeah, I love that. Instagram, there's that whole like, is is it Instagram worthy or whatnot? But I love just the candid, natural pictures of a classroom. Our, I know you know him from the road to Matt Halpern is a big one with that. Matt is constantly posting just the most candid pictures. I mean, it's not. Yeah a beautifully set up classroom. It's just, here's what would happen today. Like that kind of, and yeah. I think that, and that's what is nice to see that we're all like, okay, the ones that are not like with the beautiful classroom, we're right. like, we're okay. We're, okay. we're all real. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. We will put the, the links to the things you mentioned below and, and how to find you, but I really appreciate this conversation, Maria Mercedes. I cannot wait. I know we'll be back on the road again someday and I'll see Hopefully. you on the road. It'll be back. But um, until then, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. And I can't wait to talk about this again. In another well, thank episode. you. We'll have to. Yes, we need to keep this conversation alive. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to hear more music like what you're hearing right now, visit cuckookangaroo.com. And then please like, share, and rate this podcast wherever you're listening to it so others can find it too. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Because you are the best.